Hey everyone, welcome to A Millennial Learns with me, Abby Rancor. This podcast is a place to learn about faith, theology, politics, history, and some fun random things along the way. Let's dive in! Hello everyone, welcome to A Millennial Learns, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Um, I am very excited that you are here. I've been like blown away the last couple weeks about the podcast like response and listens and stuff like that. Um, I had my most listened to week this last week. Um, So thank you all very, very much for always tuning in and coming back and sharing the podcast with your friends and stuff like that. So I very much appreciate you guys listening. If you're new to the podcast, basically I release an episode every Monday and Thursday. Uh, The Monday episode is like a basically a research kind of podcast where I I research a historical, political, or faith-based topic or debate and uh, just learn as much about it as I can. And um, I kind of articulate more what my thoughts are after all my research. It's basically whatever I want to learn about that I seemed to have missed um, growing up that I'm still curious about. But on Thursdays, we I um, recap a section of scripture. So I'm reading through the Bible. I got a late start on it because I was bad at my New Year's resolution. I started in April, and so I'm making my way through the Old Testament right now. And so throughout the week, I try to read um, a section of the Bible. I take notes on it. I write down like what I need to research, what I want to talk about, what I you know have learned from it, or what God is teaching me from it. And then I come to a podcast on it and recap that. So if you would like to follow along, uh, this week we are doing Deuteronomy 27 through Joshua 18. Next week is going to be Joshua's 19 through Judges uh, Judges 18. Oh, sorry. I thought I said the wrong thing there. It's Joshua 19 through Judges 18 next week. But today we are doing the tail end of Deuteronomy into like mid-Joshua. So... Um, which this was a really good section and we will, we will get right into it. So, um, Deuteronomy, if you did not catch last week or kind of don't know the background of Deuteronomy, it's basically Moses's final speech to the Israelites before he dies. And so he's recapping a lot of the rules and commands that God has given him to the Israelite people and telling them to not stray. Um, so. I will start with Deuteronomy 27. This is going to be an extremely brief uh, summary of kind of all the rest of of Deuteronomy. Okay, so I wrote summaries, like my own individual summaries, but then I found this website that basically, like mine was kind of drawn out when I did it, but I found this website that summarizes each just chapter. It's called biblesummary.info, which is very helpful. Um, So I just did those for the last few chapters here of Deuteronomy. So I didn't just drag on and on recapping what they recapped and I could just pull out the big stuff. So I'll link this Bible summary because it's pretty, it's a very helpful site, but I'm basically going to go off of off of these. So Deuteronomy 27, it says, write the law on large stones. The Levites will say, cursed is anyone who does not keep the law. And then everyone will reply, amen. So again, it's about following the law. Deuteronomy 28 is, if you obey the Lord, he will bless you above all nations. If not, he will, you will be cursed and the Lord will send a nation to destroy you. So there's a lot in the Old Testament about like, if you obey, there will be blessings. If you disobey, there will be curses. We see that all throughout the Old Testament, which 
makes sense because now we do not have that really because of Jesus. Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. Not that we shouldn't like repent now and turn from our ways and follow God because we do need to be obeying God. But it doesn't seem like Jesus is now the atonement for our sin as opposed to having to sacrifice every time they sin. Okay, uh, in Deuteronomy 29, it says, You have seen all that the Lord has done, so keep this covenant. If you break it, the land will be cursed, and the Lord will uproot you. Which we see later a lot. (laughs) Um, Because the Israelites, I mean, if you've been following this whole thing, or if you've read the Old Testament before, um, the Israelites get so frustrating, where they, you know... They'll disobey, and then they'll cry out to God. God will help them, and then they'll be like, oh, thank you. And then a very, very short time later, they'll disobey again. Well, I thought that that's, I don't really know why, but I thought that that phase of the Israelites was kind of over at this point, but it is not. It's about to be in full force, especially in in Judges, but um, we'll get there, like, we'll get there next week. Um, but I've read ahead for this week and wow, it gets even more frustrating than it was in the first few books. Um, but again, it's important to reiterate that we are basically the same way. God has told me to not do things before like a bunch of times and then, you know, you still fall into that sin and that's, that's like the Israelites. So can't judge them too hard, but it does seem like a whole group of people, you know, would keep each other a bit more accountable, but they worship all these other gods so many times and then get rescued and then do it again and then get rescued and do it again. And it is quite the cycle, but it's all to teach them that, you know, the Lord truly is the only God. So anyway, um, that was kind of a tangent, but okay. Deuteronomy 30 when you return to the Lord, he will have compassion. He will circumcise your heart. I have set beside you, or I've set before you life and death. Choose life. That's actually one of my favorite um, sections of the Bible is where they say, okay, today I've given you this choice, life and death. You can choose. It like perfectly sums up that in God, there's so much, so many good things. And when you stray from him, even today, like it's not good when you stray. And this is something that really hit me when I was reading this, too, is, yes, today we have Jesus to atone for our sin, and that's amazing, and that's awesome. However, you still have this choice of life and death before you. Even though Jesus has atoned for you, there are very real consequences to things that we do in life. And so if God is telling you to not do something, and you continue to do it, the natural consequences of that are going to be bad. Like, if you take a bunch of drugs all the time, let's say, well, yeah, it's not an unforgivable sin. You can repent, and you're not necessarily, like, going to hell for doing drugs or something. But you also, it's also going to bring bad things on your life. Or if you're constantly lying, you know, there's you can repent and turn away and God will forgive you. So he's like the atonement, but the natural consequences are that's going to bring bad things in your life. People are going to find out relationships will be, you know, destroyed or damaged. And so we just can't, 
say like, oh, well, Jesus saved us. Jesus is our atonement. I can do whatever I want. This life and death thing, we don't really have it anymore. You know, this is still a very real choice for us today. And I mean, I struggle with this all the time, you know, so I think everyone does. There's like things that God tells you not to do. There's like natural temptations you have, um, you know, it's not our natural incline or inclination to always do good. Um, you know, and Jesus forgives and we can repent, but it doesn't mean that there aren't natural consequences that come of sin. So it's just a good reminder to have. Um, okay. Deuteronomy 31 says Joshua will will cross ahead of you. Um, you're, they're supposed to read the law every seven years and the Lord told, told, uh, Moses that the people are going to turn away again. So I read this and I was like, oh man, in these upcoming books, they must turn away a lot because the Lord did say the people are going to turn away, write a song as a witness. Um, okay. Deuteronomy 32 uh, it says, ascribe greatness to our God. The Lord's portion is his people. They turned away, so he spurned them, but he will provide atonement. So he says that the Israelites are going to turn away. He already knows, and he already knows he's going to provide atonement. So even in the Old Testament, which can seem harsh and, you know, it's very like eye for eye, tooth for tooth sort of thing. Even in that, we can see God's mercy where he already is saying, like, they're going to turn away, but I will provide atonement. And then uh, Deuteronomy 34, Moses blesses Israel. And then uh, before he dies, he um, blesses Joseph's land. He let Reuben live and he blesses Levi's work. Because if you remember, the Levites are not going to get a land inheritance once they're in the promised land. They, like they don't get a whole like section of land. They are the priests. And so the priest offering... Like, the, the portion that goes to priests is theirs. So they get a bunch of, like, food, and they basically get taken care of by the other tribes because they are doing all the priestly duties. Okay, and then the last chapter in Deuteronomy is Deuteronomy 34, and that is where Moses climbed Mount Nebo, and the Lord said, look around to all of the land he went up and looked around at all of it and then he Moses died so it said that no other prophet has ever arisen uh in Israel like Moses did so um yeah this was a a good like little end of of Deuteronomy I really actually liked this part of the books and um yeah, it just gives us a an eye. Like it's a it's full of a lot of good reminders. I used to think that Deuteronomy and Leviticus were like super super boring books, and and I would say Deuteronomy kind of is because it's just a recap. But if you want to just like know what happened the first you know four books of the Bible or whatever, uh, you could just read Deuteronomy because Moses really recaps it all. Um, well. I shouldn't say that. He recaps all of the Israelites' exodus from Egypt. He doesn't really recap, like, Noah and stuff like that. But anyway, that's, like, way a side side point there. So so that is Deuteronomy, and a lot of great reminders in there, and a lot of hints about God's mercy and how he's 
you know, the Israelites are going to stray over and over and over, and he is going to keep rescuing them. He is not going to forsake Israel. And it is pretty comforting, actually, because, like, again, you think of Old Testament God as somehow different than today's God, but he does not change, you know, today, yesterday, or tomorrow. He is always going to be the same. And you can see his mercy coming through even in this. So I thought that was a good reminder. Okay, uh, Joshua. We are in Joshua. So we're going to read the first, or not read, but recap the first 18 chapters of Joshua. So in Joshua 1, it's basically a recap that Moses has died and Joshua is going to get ready to cross the Jordan. It says, God says, no one will be able to stand against you. Be strong and courageous. It again, God again reiterates that obedience will bring blessings. Um, But then there were three tribes, well, really two and a half tribes that wanted to stay back. It was like two full tribes and half of the tribe of Manasseh. And they wanted to stay back on the eastern side of the Jordan. So everyone else is going to cross to the western side of the Jordan, but they have decided they wanted to stay back. And um, they say, Joshua says, that's okay, you can stay on the eastern side, but all of the fighting men have to cross the Jordan with us and help us fight. And then once the fighting's done, you guys can return home. So that was the deal they had. Everyone was good with that. Um, Joshua sent two spies into Jericho. This is now in Joshua 2. And the two spies entered Rahab's house. Now, Rahab was a prostitute. This story is actually really interesting because it does show how God uses, like, you know, the whole thing about God using the least of these. So this girl was a prostitute, but she was very wise because she knew that that land had been given to the Lord. Because everyone in Jericho was, she said, weak, like their hearts were weakened with fear. They were like, everyone was so fearful of the Israelites and that the Israelites had had this land that she was like, I know that God has given you this land. And so please spare me and my family. So she hid the two spies and lied and said that they had fled the city. And they said, go look, you know, go look over there. I think they went on that, you know, they went that way outside of the city. And she hid them long enough so that all the men, you know, falsely went and chased the spies and then she told them to run into the hills where they wouldn't be found so she basically saved their lives and let them get very good intel on jericho so then they made a deal that said basically she needed to gather all of her family members in her house because she she was in a house that was part of the fortified wall so she needed to hang a red cord out of her window and then gather her whole family if anyone in her family was like outside of their house um the blood would not be on the israelites hands if they got killed but as long as they they were in the house none of the israelites would touch them so um in chapter three the israelites are about to cross the priests carry the ark ahead or god you know god tells them to do this obviously but uh god tells them to carry the ark of the covenant ahead into the water and the water will be still so they they carry the priests carry the ark and when they're in the middle of the jordan all of the water like dams up and so it's dry ground that they're crossing on 
And I thought this was kind of interesting because we always hear about the Red Sea crossing, but the Jordan crossing is pre- is like equally as cool. Um, I guess because the Red Sea, they were getting attacked, like they were about to get attacked, you know, from the back and they were like running and you can kind of make it more dramatic. But this was also like, I feel like on the same level where they take it out to the middle of the Jordan, stand there, all the water stops. Then as soon as the arc crosses over to the other side, all the water continues to flow. So anyway, the, all the Israelites, all the men, um, crossed the, uh, well actually, yeah. So all the Israelites crossed the Jordan, except for those three tribes. Um, but the men of those three tribes that wanted to stay on the east side still crossed with the rest of the Israelites to fight. Um, okay. In chapter four, God said to take 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan and bring them across the river and put them as a memorial to remember the crossing. So that's what they did. Um, In chapter 5, the Amorite kings heard about the Jordan crossing and were very fearful of the Israelites. Um, And then God, once they had crossed the river, commanded another round of circumcision for the Israelites because everyone in the generation that had been circumcised had been like wandering in the wilderness and they like no they had all died already so no one was circumcised in the israelites and so they all got circumcised again and then waited there until everything had healed which would be so awful i feel like to be commanded to get circumcised as an adult and then have to like sit on and camp in this desert i mean i guess it's right by a river so it's not maybe a desert, but I don't know. Like they have no technology. They don't have like things to make that a lot more comfortable. (laughs) And they just had to like cross this river and then sit there and get circumcised. So that, that would be not as fun to do as an adult, I think. Um, okay. But then the Israelites camped out on the plains of Jericho and it was the time where they had to, of the year where they had to celebrate Passover. So they, celebrated Passover and then um this angel came he said that he was the army or like the commander of the army of the Lord and he talked to Joshua and Joshua you know like bowed in reverence and stuff and then he said um you know what should I do and uh he said to take off uh he commanded Joshua to take off his slippers because the ground was holy I think the holy ground part was because they were already in the promised land because like God was going to, um, that was like God's inheritance. The land was the inheritance. So I think that's why he said, um, that it was holy land. Okay. In Joshua six, it talks about how the gates of Jericho were barred because all the people in Jericho were very scared of the Israelites and the fact that they thought that you know, God was with them. They heard about all these big things that God, that God had done for the Israelites. And, um, God told Joshua to march around the city. It was very specific instructions for marching around Jericho. So they were to every day for six days, just march around with trumpets one time with the Ark of the Covenant. So God would walk around it. Then on the seventh day, they would do that seven times. And, um, which I, I wrote a note here that said army must have been like, what? Which I was on a plane when I wrote this, but so that sounds like a really stupid note, but 
basically I was just thinking of how the army people, if, you know, they believed in God and they believed that God had told them to do this, but they, the Israelites walked away so many times from God that if you had any doubt in your mind and there was a fortified city of Jericho, because remember Rahab was a prostitute that lived in the fortified wall of the city. So we know that it's a walled city. There's a large wall. And if you were a normal, like military person and had any doubt about God, and then you heard Joshua say, well, let's not fight them. Let's just walk around the city a few times and then yell at the end. Oh yeah, I missed that part. At the end of the seventh time around the city, they were supposed to blow their trumpets um, as loud as they could and everyone was supposed to shout. Um, and so anyway, if I, if you were like doubting and then you were a military person, you're like, we need to attack this city. And then Joshua was like, no, just march around it a few times with this ark, you know, and then it'll crumble. They must have been, half of them must have been like, mm, I don't know if this will work, you know, but, um, but it did. So the wall collapsed and they were able to save Rahab and her entire family and bring her out. And they ran her way and hid her, um, in the Israelites camp and they live among the Israelites. So all a happy ending for Rahab. Okay. Then in, um, chapter seven, this is an interesting story. Um, this one is labeled in the NIV Achins. I don't know if I'm saying Achin right, but that's how I'm just going to say it. It's A-C-H-A-N, Achin. Maybe it's Achin. Maybe I'll say Achin. So um, it says Achinson. So Achin, okay, let me back up a little bit. So in chapter six, when they were going to go in the city, the, Joshua said, you know, the walls are going to come down. All of the sacred things there, like the gold and silver, all of that stuff, anything sacred belongs to God. So bring anything sacred to like the priests, basically. It does not belong to you. Don't, don't steal it. Well, Achan went in and immediately stole from like all the sacred things from Jericho. So, um, let's see. Then uh, they spied on, Joshua sent spies to the land of I, A, I, it's, it's spelled A-I, I think it's, it's pronounced I, um, but they said, well, you don't need your whole, whole army, just send two or three thousand men to fight. So they went in and fought, it was a terrible, like, battle, they all got run back, they lost, and Joshua grieved. It said he ripped his clothes, they sprinkled ashes on him, all this stuff. So they started saying, again, with the Israelites, they started saying, oh, why did you bring us across the Jordan if we were just going to get destroyed by our enemies? If only we were just content on the other side of Jordan. And God came down to Joshua and said, get up. What are you doing on your face? Israel sinned. So he basically was saying, like, this is because of Israel's sin that you lost your battle. Like, these enemies are not going to be given to you if you keep sinning. And so they didn't know who sinned. Um, but God said, you know, someone stole something sacred from Jericho. And that's why you lost. So call everyone up tribe by tribe. And I will choose a tribe. When I choose the tribe, call everyone up. Like, 
clan by clan. I'll choose one. Then from that, call up every family. I'll choose one. Basically, God was going to narrow down for Joshua who stole it. So, it was the tribe of Judah that got chosen. The uh, clan of the Zeranites or Zerahites. I can't read my own writing. Um, then the family of Zimri. And then Achan was chosen from there. So everyone knew that he had stolen stuff. And he had stolen this coat and this money and all this stuff. And he admitted that he had stolen these sacred things, but they had to kill him. So they stoned him um, for stealing the sacred things. Um, Okay. And then God said, okay, now that that's over, go attack the land that you spied on, but but bring your entire army. So... um, Joshua led an ambush where they basically, like, uh, tricked the people into, the people, the Amorites into leaving their city and ambushed them. Um, And it worked. They won. Uh, They destroyed the entire city, uh, made a new altar on Mount Ebal, Ebal, and made a copy of Moses' law and renewed their covenant on that mount so that was a big development with the sacred things and um you know having god basically be like uh you don't have to grieve for this like you guys caused this yourself you sinned (laughs) so i thought that was kind of kind of funny he was very straightforward with that um okay chapter nine is labeled gibeonite deception so other kings heard about this battle that the Israelites had won, and they came together and wanted to wage war against the Israelites. So uh, the people of Gibeon ended up tricking the Israelites. They put on old, worn-down shoes. They put moldy bread in their bags, and they basically pretended that they had traveled a really, really long way to come and make peace with the Israelites, um, and pretended like they had no land in the area that they they wanted to like they had traveled from afar basically, um, and the Israelites fell for it completely. So, so the Gibeonites said, "Oh, we're from far away, but we heard the Lord is with you. Make a treaty with us and protect us, and we will all live in peace together. We live very far away, so it would be something like you can't take over our land now because." We are at peace, but we live so far away anyway, you wouldn't even want our land. Well, turns out they were neighbors, and it said the Israelites made the treaty with the Gibeonites. They said, but they did not inquire of the Lord. The Lord would have told them to not do this because he gives us wisdom. But they did not inquire of the Lord when they made this deal. And that just goes to show you, even in things that seem extremely obvious to us, it might not be what the Lord has, what, the, what, you know, it might not be the best thing for us. If you don't inquire of the Lord, it could turn really bad, even though it looks really obvious. It looked like an obvious deal that they should make. And they did, but they didn't inquire of the Lord. And they kind of paid for it because they couldn't break their oath. So they couldn't go and attack them and they couldn't like drive them out of their land. So they had to make them servants. Um, and since the Gibeonites tricked the Israelites, and then once the Israelites found out, 
they said, why'd you trick us? And they said, well, we were afraid of you. We didn't want to get killed by you. So as long as you let us live, yeah, you can make us servants to you. So they ended up being um, water carriers, like for the whole rest of their of the time. Like they ended up being servants to the Israelites, but the Israelites still couldn't um, kill them or take them over or uh, take their land. So goes to show, always inquire of the Lord. Okay, in chapter 10, this is the story about how the sun stand, I almost said standed, how the sun stood still. So the five kings of the Ammonites um, unite against Gibeon. Uh, God again says, do not be afraid. And God sent hail on the kings of the the Amorites. Um, And it said that the hail actually killed more people than the sword did. So God was definitely on their side. Um, And there had been a like a prayer or like a a prophecy maybe that the sun would uh stand still until Israel had won this battle and it said that it delayed going down by almost a full day and it's never happened before then or since um so at the end of chapter 10 they it basically recaps them attacking not recaps but it summarizes them attacking and winning all of the southern cities that they went after then in chapter 11 it talks about conquering all of the north and the um they get rest from from the war so i think at this point their land was complete uh but there were still people living in the land but it was kind of unclear to me if the land gathering was complete or if um, if there were just still people among them that they had to drive out. Uh, but anyway, so after all these battles, it does then recap uh, all of the 31 kings that they had just defeated. That was in chapter 12. In chapter 13, there it says that there's more to take over. But again, like I would have to go back and look if that was land or people. Um but it says that Joshua was very old and it talks more about land division specifics. So it talks about like how they're dividing the land exactly the east of the Jordan. So where those three tribes are staying. And then in chapter 14, it talks about the land division west of the Jordan. Um, in 15, it talks about the allotment for Judah. So, okay. So basically 15 or four, chapters 14 through 16 goes through the allotments of Caleb, Judah, Ephraim, Manasseh, um, and again, here it says they did not drive the Canaanites out completely, um, but the, um, but Ephraim and Manasseh get this hill area, and they get to clear it because they have so many people in their tribes. Um, in 18, seven tribes still do not have inheritance, so they need to survey the land. They send people out to go survey the land, um, and cast lots to distribute talks. And then it, uh, in the end of 18 and into 19, it talks about the exact like geographical allotments for each tribe. And then it also talks about a, a specific like area that Joshua gets, um, because he's the whole leader. It's like a, a city, I think that he gets, um, so that is all of the chapters for this um, section of the Bible that we're reading. And I thought this was a really interesting one. I like Joshua a lot. Like he seems, I mean, I know they say that, you know, they said that Moses was 
there, you know, there was a never pro- a prophet like him to rise up in Israel again. Um, and that's probably true. But I think Joshua is doing a, a good job um, because he has stayed very, very faithful to the Lord and pointing like and leading well, other than the treaty about where he did not, um, he didn't inquire of the Lord. So um, I guess the encouraging part of this is that like, I understand that, I don't know, I guess when I think about like a biblical leader, I think of someone who is basically perfect. Um, but, but then you look at these people who led the Israelites, like Moses and Aaron and Joshua, and they all have their own things of where they went wrong. Like Moses struck the rock instead of speaking to it. And Aaron crafted a golden calf, uh, for all the Israelites to worship. And then Joshua didn't inquire of the Lord on this very simple treaty. Like, we are never going to be perfectly able to lead, but he is merciful and will help lead anyway. Like if you just try and follow, (laughs) follow him. So, um, that is very comforting. And I actually am really liking this section of, of the Bible. For some reason, I thought once we got into Joshua, the story like changed, I guess. Like I thought we weren't following the Israelites anymore, which, this is why I'm doing this. I am very not literate on the Old Testament. So anyway, this is a very good section of the Bible. I encourage you all to read it with me. Again, next week, we are reading uh, Joshua 19 through Judges 18. And get ready for a lot of frustration with the Israelites because they are quite, quite interesting. But anyway, if you enjoyed that episode, go and leave a review. Um, Five stars would be very much appreciated. Uh, A little written review on Apple Podcasts would be amazing. Go follow me on Instagram, all those things. And have a great week, everyone. I will see you Monday. And thanks for tuning in. Talk to you later. Bye. That is all for this week's episode. Thank you so, so much for listening. I hope you liked it. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening from. And I would really appreciate if you would go rate and review this podcast on the Apple Store. That is going to be how we continue to grow our Millennial Learns family and community. So come back every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific time for a new episode. And DM me any questions on Instagram. It's at a Millennial Learns. Go check me out. Follow me. DM me questions you have about this episode or any future topics you would like to see me dive into. Have an amazing week, everyone, and I will see you Monday.